counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistral. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we are talking about yet another film on that list. Jonathan Demme's The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs was released February 14th, 1991, starring Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and Ted Levine. Before we rub some lotion on our skin, however, how's it going? It's going well. It's uh, the start of the last week in, in the island, on the island, in the tropics. Um, but it's good to go home. <laughs> it's good to go home. <laughs> I can imagine. Like yeah, three uh, three months. I've been here about three months. Uh, three months of eighty degrees constant weather is uh, strangely wearing on you. <laughs> uh, I can imagine. I mean, I had eighteen years of that, so uh, I know how that feels. Yeah. So yeah, no, it'll be good. It'll be good to come back um, to the Bay Area. It'll be good to have all the amenities of the Bay Area. So, looking forward to that. How are you? I'm I'm doing okay. We're just uh, dealing with the weekends. It's been, there's been a cold front in Oakland this last few weeks, and we've just been trying to figure out how we'll survive through that. Um, in times like this, 80-degree weather sounds so appealing. Um, but all the same... You know, life is good. You can't complain much. Um, and we're just hanging in there, trying to trying to uh, push the people of Ukraine forward and uh, know that uh, they have our support yeah. no matter what, you know, no matter what happens. Yeah. So it's been interesting times in the world. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a challenging week. Um, yeah, we're recording this February 7th, uh, 27th. Uh, just to to put a point of reference, um, yeah, it's been a challenge and kind of depressing. But you know, the last two years have been challenging and depressing, and it's just going to be worse. It seems like. I I I hope you know one of the, the things I've I hoped as a kid was that I didn't live in interesting times, but you don't get to choose your future, and apparently I get to live in interesting times. Hopefully, it doesn't get more interesting than where we are. Yeah, that's that's the prayer. I'm not a prayerful person, so right. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, and All right. and you know, if anything, I feel like the movie Mistral has uh, has proved to be some some good escape from from the reality sometimes, at least for me. So yeah, it's always good to. <laughs> it depends on the movie, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh Silence of the Lambs was interesting, so. You know, it's it's a psycho thriller, so uh, it has its own nuances. So yes, it's a good escape uh, on many weekends. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this one. Let's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's also ready for it. Um, okay, then let's uh, flip a coin. Um, I probably will go with heads for this week. Heads. 
I am going to argue for this film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. But first, let's have a synopsis. Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling, a top student at the FBI's training academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, a brilliant psychiatrist who's also a violent psychopath, serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into a case and that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be just the bait to draw him out. The witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Your honor. The Silence of the Lambs, uh, a movie that was released in 1991, uh, is telling us a story of a woman trying to come up in the ranks of the FBI, going through FBI school, um, and then getting getting a, uh, an assignment while in school, um, whilst not only fighting against the... Um, serial killer and um, a psychopath uh, but also the misogynistic system of the FBI at that point um, and in contrast to to her story we are also seeing a story of uh, somebody who's very confused um, and not entirely sure how they fit into the world and uh, it's it's essentially a, a queer story, I think, um, but told in a very sensationalized and bastardized and um, freaky way. And the queer person is uh, a buffalo bull in this. So my main argument why I think this movie uh, is greatly overrated is that um, we sensationalize um, queer people and kind of make them out to be f freaks um as well as uh we're showing how flawed and misogynistic kind of the um police force the fbi force like any institution really is which i guess there's an argument to be made of it's good to showcase that so we can learn from it but it's just gross watching this movie and seeing how uh all the other cops look at her and just kind of disregard uh, her expertise and what she does. Um, so that's that's my basic argument. I think uh, this movie is a lot of sensationalizing and um, misrepresenting to a degree, and I think uh, it's overrated in that. Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen, people of the jury, and that's you listeners, um... We're talking about Silence of the Lambs, one of the greatest psychological thrillers um, in the modern world that we live in. Um, I think that it follows the story of a young cadet as she goes through, uh, like Johanna, Johannes said, um, a misogynistic system. Um, one of the key words in this movie was the word covet. Um, and we see through those key, the way the officers look and stare at her um the way everybody tries to she becomes an object where everybody wants to covet her from the policeman to have friends and nerds in the library or or scientists i guess the guys who were dealing with the bugs 
um, to the superior officer who was watching over her from, you know, um, Hannibal Lecter, who was, who turned out to be only her, our only true friend who took her seriously. Um, we get to experience the world, um, not through our eyes, but through the eyes of a third party uh, as she tries to make a way through a world where everyone covets her but doesn't think of her as anything but an object. Where she's a competent detective, um, through harrowing times, where she tries to solve a mystery uh, which she didn't even know she wanted to be part of. So this is a, it's an interesting story, and I think I'm going to be looking at it from the perspective of how they were able to effectively capture that um, and bring the story to life from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think you're bringing up a good point that it, it, it is essentially a movie about uh, objective, objectification from, from every aspect. Right? And it's... Um, like if we take Buffalo Bill, you know the the famous line we quoted at the beginning, um, you know it rubs the lotion on the skin. It's 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 you know treating people as as an object and then kind of repurposing that object <laughs> in, a, in a weird way, right? But um and uh, kind of the same male centric view um, onto females and um, how um, women in the workforce cannot you know, have the same um, power and strength and uh, kind of mental uh, capacity as men. I, I feel like there, there's a lot of that in the subject. And and even, you know, Hannibal Lecter is, is, is like, oh, so your boss, you know, do you think he wants to, um, you know, do it with you? And it's like, uh, so it's systemic, right? So the, 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 this movie... Is about systemic objectification of uh, on on many levels. Um, but does that, you know, I'm not necessarily convinced that that's a um, kind of good way to to kind of tell us about that and kind of bring that to the forefront and have a conversation about it. I guess. I think that, um, like you said, um, another thing we agree on, there's a systematic um, sense of objectification. Every single character in this movie is objectified in one way or another. Hannibal Lecter was objectified. He wasn't trusted with any information. She came in and provided, basically lied about a deal uh, with the senator. Um, Hannibal Lecter objectified the senator, talking about breastfeeding and uh, not caring about her personality. Um, Buffalo Bill, you know, objectifies women, you know, fattens them up. And in fact, the term he uses, it rubs the lotion on the skin and all of those uh, uh, weird statements um, is a a form of objectification because he doesn't want to think of her as a human being. Um, And it's... The you know it's it's quite interesting that one of the the goals of this movie was to force the watcher to feel a little bit disturbed by all that is going on. I watching the film, every single scene where she's walking and those men turn around just to watch 
<laughs> watch her walk away um felt violating uh it felt violating to me um and it you know it was made in a different time to be fair and i don't think that the concerns of today will probably match the concerns of those days especially from the male perspective i think that for the female perspective i don't know i'm not a woman so i don't really know how it is but i can't help but feel like at that particular point in history they felt just as frustrated as they do today about how the system works um so it's it's interesting to see to see all of that play out in a movie form um the fact that for example she was chosen for the role she did not even know what the role was she just said they just said go and speak to hannibal lecter and the only reason why they chose her was because she was an attractive woman and they felt like Hannibal Lecter would talk to her about things um, was a sense was a um, was a form of objectification of her beauty, uh, and placing it in form in front of the killer as bait, so that the FBI can get information about who is being the serial killer. It's very it's a very it's a very dirty film from that perspective, um, but. It's also an interesting film because you get to see the conversations that, you know, Hannibal Lecter has. He's not just a bad guy in the sense of being a bad guy. Um, he's a nuanced character. He's bad for sure. Uh, but he's also very intelligent. He's also very formidable. And he's also uh, very, very good at what he does. And you could see he's a very competent person. So they set up the character in a very strong way, um, but they also set up the character of uh, uh, they also set up her character very well too because we know that she's competent at what she does, she's really good, and she, one of the great things about the film is that you see the incompetence of all the men around her, um, which just makes the objectification even more difficult to watch because she seems like she's the best person at her job. Um, she's better at it than almost everybody else. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting film. And I haven't even talked about how gruesome some of the deaths were, some of the death scenes that we saw, um, perhaps not as gruesome as what we saw in seven. Uh, but you know, it's, it's quite an interesting film to watch. I'm going to stop talking. For yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the more you kept talking, the more I'm, I'm convinced that the FBI in this world, in the movie world, is incredibly incompetent. And um, reasons being, um, they hire a rookie that's still in training to mingle with a clear psychopath that everybody knows that is kind of put in like high security prisons um, and uh, talking about objectification, like he's he's kind of it's kind of like an exhibition the way they they cage him up in with the glass front or in that gigantic cage uh, in the middle of that uh, big room. It's he's he's kind of like an art piece, uh, which is gross in itself, in a way. Um, so they put her in charge, and like you said, because she's a she's a pretty woman. Um, and probably somewhat naive as well. Sure, she's smart, 
but she's also naive. She doesn't really understand what's going on. She doesn't really understand what she's getting into because nobody tells her. And uh, so she's getting thrown into the waters, um, you know, with a cut on, on her on her leg, literally, um, you know, while the sharks are swimming around her. And the FBI doesn't have any idea about, has any lead to find Buffalo Bill. Like they, they they cannot figure it out. So the only savior in this whole situation is Hannibal Lecter. Um, and had it not been for him, they still would be looking, I suppose. Right. So, so it's, it's, I think this, this movie shows us a lot of incompetence and then there's kind of a, and, and like we mentioned, objectification and, and you know, we, we try, we're seeing a woman kind of going against the odds and against the grain, I suppose. But the only reason she gets there is because she has a man help her. I don't think she would have gotten there uh, by her own. Um, which then again is like, did we get to a different point to when we started? Probably not, because it's not it's not this the story about cooperance of of, uh, of women, right? Like women women are capable and can can do this crazy job despite all the people objectifying her. It's not necessarily the story we get here. Yes, she solves the case, but only with heavy helping. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm confused. I'm I'm like, okay, what are we trying to tell here then? Right? Are we trying to have a critique of? Um, how women are treated in the workforce, then why doesn't she get the victory on her own? Right? Um, and then, I mean, like I said, I, I think there's a lot to unpack if, if we talk about um, kind of the depiction of queerness in this movie with Buffalo Bill. I think it's it's very 90s and it's very kind of um, gross in that it's you know queer people are psychopaths and and, and you know and freaks and um, I think there's a lot to unpack and, and, and you know um, talk about there as well and I have the same questions there I'm like okay so so but what do we want to tell right um, I, because that that conflict is is never really resolved. Well, I mean, he dies, right? Uh, and it's not just that he's queer; it is also swastikas all over this place that, that I've seen for the first time in, uh, on the rewatch. Um, so you know, it's it's not just that that he's queer, but it's also like he's he's an awful human being in other ways, right? But it's it's like I guess I'm I'm just confused at what are we trying to tell. And what's kind of the big lessons that, that we're supposed to get it, uh, take away from it, kind of on a on a sub level? Because it, like at at, at its um, on its face, um, it's a mystery, right? It's a criminal mystery um, where the cops are incompetent. <laughs> um, it's a thriller where the the cases are kind of gruesome, heavily inspired by Ted Bundy, I believe, right? Um, and it's a movie that gives us uh, kind of iconic scenes and quotes but what's the substance of it I guess is my question and I, I guess that's kind of where 
where my argument mainly lies. It's like what what if we just pull the curtain back a little bit, what are we supposed to take away from this other other than you know tucking in and dancing to music naked and uh, rubbing lotion on our skin? And this is where I come in because I'm going to be arguing that this movie is not just going to be based on the the way the world interacts with the women with women and competence. This movie is also about some of the great performances we saw um, in Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. And every single scene where they were together, it was captivating to watch the quid quo pro. It was captivating to see how uh, those uh, discussions uh, were an insight into what made the characters tick. Um, I think that uh, the fact that the... He got away at the very end presents a very intriguing um a very intriguing subplot because you know despite everything there is a level of um there is a level of companionship you get with uh Hannibal Lecter because he's the only character that treats her with competence he's the only one who respects her in the film uh, you've brought up a lot of things about, you know, the police force being incompetent. Um, you also have to feel like the police force were not very helpful to her. They were resistance to her in almost every scene. Um, so at the very end of the film, you understand that there's a level of respect that goes on between the two characters. For example, when he says, hey, um, I want you, uh, after he asks if the lambs have, stopped screaming in her ears he says that uh, let's bygones be bygones leave me be and i'll leave you be and she promises that she can't let that happen you know you can't promise that um you have to understand that there's a level of respect because he sees her as a very competent person um and there is a sense of mutual respect that happens in there so as a viewer I don't think that he's a good character, but at least we have one redeeming quality in there in that he's competent, unlike almost every other character in the film. Um, so, you know, the story is really, it's really interesting to watch because we get to understand the psyche of Buffalo Bill. It's a mystery that builds up, a puzzle that continually gets uh, put together. Uh, from the very beginning. And I do want to bring up the point you made about um, the the conversation about, you know, queer. Um, and I think that is something that you could take away. But I do, I do want to say that the movie adds some context to that because at several points in the film, they talk about, you know, transsexualism not being um, necessarily violent. And this is a different case. They also try to separate Buffalo Bill from the whole scenario because um, one of the things that uh, Hannibal Lecter talks about was the fact that he's not really transsexual. He just wants to be. Um, he wants to change his body. He wants to transform into something else. So it, it's I do I do want to put that caveat down because it seems like the movie went to great lengths to try to say that this is just a singular case and it's not a, a, a what do you call it? It's not a blanket statement on on being queer. Um, but I I do think that the movie was effective in doing a lot of things, presenting the covert nature of the film, 
um, how everybody's objectified, how it makes you uncomfortable watching the film to see how everyone is objectified. Um, we see a character who is competent, but he's treated with incompetence. Um, and we root for that character, even though we know she doesn't, she's not necessarily supposed to be in that role. She stumbles onto a solution for the crime. Um, and we root for her because even in the midst of the dark room, um, as he, you know, Buffalo Bill stretches his hands to touch her ear, you feel like she doesn't deserve it, which is a great, which is a great theme for the director of the film. Um, and we get to see great performances by Anthony Hopkins. Um, and the name of the movie made a lot of sense, The Silence of the Lambs, given the story that she gave. Uh, I think that it was well achieved, honestly. Um, I think that not everything works in this film, uh, but I think that overall, I think that it's uh, it's a really good mystery. Uh, I'm not entirely sure it holds water in the current day because I think that there have been so many other shows or movies that have done a better job of presenting a, a psychological thriller. But a movie holds up technically. So that's my take on it. Uh, a really good mystery is what you brought up. I think, is it though? Because we are very early on, we're, we're kind of shown who Buffalo Bill is. So, 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 so I guess then the mystery is, well, will they find him, right? And then there's the big misdirect at the end, um, which also needlessly uh, extravagant with the plane and everything, <laughs> but. Okay, our government dollars at work, I guess. <laughs> um, but um, like I said, I think from from a mystery perspective, um, in seven, we have somewhat of a similar thing, right? Where we have cops, detectives that are where one is kind of incompetent, the other one is is very competent. Uh, and uh, but they work to figure it out, right? In this, um, I feel like she, you know, Clar Clarice is not figuring it out really. She's you know fed breadcrumbs of like, oh, and maybe you should go in there, maybe you look, should look at that. And um, I mean, I guess that's kind of the the you know a good way to mentor somebody to get to to a point of. of learning and all that but um kind of going back to to competency it's and, and kind of mystery i, I don't I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that the the um the finding a killer plot of this is strong to be honest i think i think that there's there's a lot that that works better in this and and I think one of them is the uh, chemistry between um, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. I think that's that's one of the strong suits of this. Um, but but from from a basic plot perspective, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not super convinced. I, I think that's fair. I I also think that this is the reason why I highlighted their conversations as a. Uh, <laughs> 
as a as a strong point uh, of the film. Um, I think if we go into general discussion, I can give my perspective on the on the thriller on the thrilling part. But I I yep. think that um, in general, uh, this is uh, I think that's generally my perspective on the film. Um, but if we go into general, maybe we can talk more on that. All right, then um, let's go over to a general discussion. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. All right. Um, thank, thank you very much. I think you made some really good points about the film. I do agree with you that the, the, th- the mystery part is not the strongest part of the film. The strongest part of the film is the conversations they had um, at several instances and the chemistry they had together. It's, it's, it's quite interesting that a movie about such gruesome killings and uh, um, bad situations boils down to a character study of Annabel Lecter and a policewoman who is dealing with a cruel world. But I think that that was effective enough that at the end of the film, I was rooting for the character. Uh, I had character to survive this. I mean, she was... She wasn't in, and I, I never really feared that she wouldn't survive it. It's a '90s film, and the good guys never die. Um, so, um, I I think that uh, you you did have a good point also about the fact that you know she wasn't really good at her job. She was just being fed the answers. Yeah. Um, I think that she never proved her competence at all, with respect to solving the mystery. Um, because she basically had cheat notes uh, with Hannibal Lecter, right? And so, then, and sorry to interject, but uh, but then, then I really question why was she selected, despite, uh, or why was she selected even though she was still in training to do this? Right? Did did they not have anybody else that completed training that is more capable than her? Right? So it's like uh, I I don't fully understand this because like she's not. She's not that capable at that point, right? Like, she's good, sure. But is she just hired for the looks? From, from I think she... Right. Go ahead. I think that that was... You, you just nailed it on the head. The only reason why she was chosen was because she fit the cycle, the physical profile of somebody who Hannibal Lecter would find attractive. That is all. That is, that is basically it. I don't... You could see at the very end of the film that she was not very competent, even with her firearm. She was she was pretty bad going from room to room, making noises left and right. You know, ah, you know, she was going with the gun every time she turned the corner. She made a noise, and I was like, "You're a, you know, you've been, you, It shows that you're not very good at this." But she survived, and she got an award. Um, and you know, it's interesting. I think that you've made a good point about the fact that what what is this movie trying to say? Because we never really saw her be competent. Uh, she was just basically asking for cheat notes from the guy. And she objectified herself to be able to get that information. Basically, she sat down and said, I'll be psycho- psychoanalyzed if you give me the answers to this problem. Um uh and she she was humiliated even in that too so uh i was you know especially when you talk about the first time she went in down there and the the person threw uh 
you know, that interesting liquid into her face. That that's you know, it's 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 an interesting film. I I will say this. I wasn't a big fan of this film, but the movie was so well made that it's difficult to find things in the plot that makes it difficult to argue against. Um, so you have to really go in and delve in into the situation and try to figure out if the situation makes any sense. Yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, once the movie was over, I was like, oh, it's it's a good movie. Um, because I think technically it's, it's, it's a good movie, right? Um, it's giving you claustrophobia in the right places, like tight, dirty, grimy, you know, like, uh, like the, the setting of it all is very well done. I think, um, performances are really good, mainly by, by, um, Hopkins and Foster, um, and Ted Levine. I think that's just kind of iconic, um, in of itself. Um, there are some performances that are just bizarre. I think the, um, the person that's in charge of that um, prison at the beginning. Yeah. Um, not a fan of that performance, I think. Um, because it's, yeah, it's kind of gross, right? It's, it's like, oh, I could show you around, wink. It's like, ugh. Um, which I had a lot of that reaction, <laughs> like, and how they treated her. Um, because it is, it is kind of gross. And I was like, that's such a... Um, movie of its time, I think, and 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 then I was like, is it just a depiction of the time, or is it kind of a critique as well? So is it you know? So, but, but I'm not sure. Um, I I think it would be stronger if we knew that it was kind of a critique, and you know, she kind of like the the intent was to give her the the upper hand. Right, um, but I feel like she doesn't get it. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will say that the the acting of Frederick Chilton was very, very hard to watch because you you kind of go, okay, this is an FBI agent. We know that this person works for the feds. You can't be so blatant in your in your misogyny that you would just go out and blatantly do all of this. Um, but yeah, I I, I agree uh, with a lot of the critique you have about this, um, and I, I don't know what the overall message is because it seems like if the overall message is not to show that women can be competent in the workplace, then it's simply about the fascination with serial killers. And uh, if that is the case, then Anthony Hopkins did a great job of portraying a serial killer that you can be slightly sympathetic to. Yeah, I mean, the end of the film, you could see how those cops were so incompetent. I mean, the guy cut off somebody's face and put it on his face, and he gets to go in a in an ambulance. It doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what I would do in a situation like that. But it's it's it feels like they could have done a better job. Yeah, I mean, nobody thought to look up at the elevator shaft to see if somebody escaped through that until blood dripped on 
you know, and, you know, it's it's like things like that. You have to ask, like, who is running this world? Is it the Joker? What's going on? Why is everyone so incompetent? Even the chief of the FBI, he's flown all his men to Chicago. He's flying a U.S. Army plane to Chicago. Nobody knows this and, you know, knows anything about it. They didn't do a surveillance on the house. They didn't do anything. They just felt like, oh, he, this has to be the house. And they put all their resources there. Yeah. Um, it, it just feels weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking of how did you get to Buffalo Bill's house, right? So um, the more I think about that, the, the, the clunkier it gets, right? Because that is, that is the first time where she is investigating on her, on her own, right? So she... She goes to the house of the first victim that they find that they that they find where they find the the, the moth, um, and they find the diamond shaped cutouts of her skin on the back and all that. Right. So she goes to the house of the victim. Um, in the closet, she finds a dress that has the diamond cutouts. So she's like, "Oh, that makes sense." Right. And then I guess she talks to the best friend of her. Yep. Okay, and then the best friend of her tells her, "Oh, she worked with Mrs. Whatever, right?" To to sew. Yeah. I mean, I I can see how she would stumble in there. Uh, I, I I. But the question then becomes: Why did nobody else question this? <laughs> why was it her? Right. Um. You know, I, that that's the question I would ask. Why didn't the FBI do a good enough job? Why didn't they go searching for this house and stuff? But, you know, we already established that everybody in this world is incompetent. So at that particular point, then she's the only, she's the least incompetent of them. Um, and she goes in and uh, you could see that she's not so great with the firearms. Though she did kill the black, bad, bad guy, uh, but it was so close range. Uh, it was funny. So then my but, question is, though, if she was able to get to the point where she goes to the first victim's house, figures out, hey, those diamond shapes on the dress match, you know, so so there's some sewing component here. Why do we need the whole Hannibal Lecter thing? Because that's completely removed from anything, right? Like the psychological profile of the of the murder that we're kind of being spoon fed over time, um, does not have a lot to do with how she comes to the conclusion to go to that person's place, right? And then, I guess, and then once she's there, I guess, sure, you can kind of make the, you know, she 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 figures out, oh, this is the right the right person, but you could have done that with the. Well, she she sees the butterfly there too, or the moth, right? So then she's like, "Oh, she connects that to the first victim." So why are we having Lecter in this anyway, right? So to, to get a movie an Academy Award, uh, five, <laughs> five. They got the, the the top five, which is rare. Yeah, it's I I I think that you're right about the fact that I don't know the whole conversation with Hannibal Lecter. I just think it was an exposition dump, so we get to see the character of. Uh, Clarice um, throughout the film, I think, because it doesn't really solve, it doesn't really help solve the case for the most part. I think that the reason why um, 
why it doesn't help solve the case is perhaps because the director of the film wants to give the character some competence and some urgency. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would be it would be a movie about you know Hannibal Lecter doing everything. Uh, so by making her solve the case independently, we have a character who can solve a case in an incompetent police force. I think it's very weird to talk about this movie because we're talking about it from a very negative perspective, but the movie is very good. Yeah. <laughs> the movie <laughs> the movie is very good. Um, I think it's, it's the difficulty in critiquing this film is that the movie is so well made that the only thing we can critique are the motivations of the character. The movie is not very hard to follow. It's, not very complicated. Um, so the only thing we can com- we can really talk about is the world the movie is set in and the motivations of the characters. That's why the conversation is, is tilted this way. But if you ask me, the movie is well done. Um, some of the writing is a little stiff. Some of the, you know, the conversations are very weird, especially in the modern day. Uh, but if you remove that, you know, a lot of the stuff still works and it's still a very interesting film to watch. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Like I said, like after watching it, it was like, ah, it's a good movie. Right? It's, it's a good length too. I think it's not uh, overstaying as welcome, uh, too much. Um, it has a lot of iconic lines and I think the, the really the strong suit are the, the uh, performances of Hopkins and Foster, especially the first, the, the first meetup, mm. um, is just really great in the cat and mouse kind of kind of game. Yeah, um, very sticky too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I think Lecter is suffering from from the Joker, you know, the Heath Ledger Joker kind of um, like uh, for foreseeing every how everything can play out and then uh, benefiting from that um, a little bit when he escapes, you know, like he, he knows exactly how people will behave. So that's how he figures out how to escape. It's, um, it's, it's one of the, the easier pop points, I guess, that you could critique. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the, the, um, movie as a whole is great you know it gives it gave us a lot of um influence that to this day is referenced right? i don't know if you've seen the la- the latest jackass movie but there's there's a sequence in there too that's that's alluding to uh the buffalo bull dance and, and all that, <laughs> right so so it's still in in the uh, pop culture vernacular in a way and it's uh, for a reason i think it's it's kind of an iconic movie uh, all right. Well, I don't have much else to say about this film. Me neither. <laughs> Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> That's all I can say. Watch it and tell us how you don't like this movie on Twitter. And uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and with that, where can people find us? They can find us. You know, you can send us what you think about this film on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on at Movie Mistrial. Or if they wanted to email us, how could they get in contact? Contact at MovieMistrial.com. Well, I think that's all we have. The lambs are silent in my head now. And uh, (laughs) I can have a relaxing day. 
Sounds good. Next up, City of God. All right. All right. Until then, take care. Ciao.